Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health. And today we're joined by Artie Kashiap-Ainsley, award-winning global business leader and head of wellbeing, diversity and inclusion at the Ocado Group. Now, before Artie moved into the wellbeing, diversity and inclusion space, she spent time working at one of the largest global practices in Deloitte as a certified accountant. So bringing in all of that business expertise with all of her knowledge around wellbeing, diversity and inclusion, places Artie in a really special place to talk through these key topics on today's podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Artie. Hi, Artie. How are you doing? Good. How are you? So nice to see you. So good to see you. It's been a bit of time, hasn't it? It has been. And really excited today to talk all things well-being and inclusion, especially where the crossover is and where the synergies are and how organisations can really look to join those two areas up. But I know you've taken a new role or a slightly new role. Can you just describe to the listeners today around what that is, Asicado, and where the responsibilities lie as well? Yeah, so I might give a bit of context and background. So when I joined Asicado just over two years ago, I joined, as some will know, as a global head of well-being. And at that time, they were putting in lots of new centers of expertise. DNI was one of them. And I think at that time, there was thought around, should we combine the roles or not? Because in many organizations, that was the way it was going. And actually, my previous experience when I was doing well-being was that I worked directly with our DNI counterpart with everything. And actually, the, the choice was to run them sort of separately for now. And I think as the organization started to go through lots of shifts and changes, that was rethought in terms of what the way forward would be. And actually, there was a big piece around just wanting to break down silos and bring the conversation together. So in October, I took on the role as Global Head of Wellbeing and Inclusion, combining the two together. And I think the thought was that actually they, like similar to what I was saying, there's a there's a view that you can't look at one without the other, right? You don't really have well-being without looking at inclusion and you don't really have inclusion without looking at well-being or considering it in that perspective, right? Like I think there's this phrase that I've gotten from somewhere along the way that is not mine, but somehow I say it all the time now and people think it's my coined phrase, so I'll take it for now. But that inclusion is the birthplace for well-being. And in many ways, it's so right, right? Like considering all the attributes that make us up who we are, well-being is one of those components. And equally, any of the attributes that make up who we are has an impact on us on a day-to-day basis. And if who we feel like and who we identify with doesn't feel comfortable going into the environment we go into every day or we don't feel included or we don't feel a sense of belonging, there's a direct impact to your well-being. And then consequently, you can't really look at well-being without understanding things like cultural differences, gender nuances, socioeconomic background. Like there's just so many considerations to take into account. And there's a thought that maybe does it complicate the question, but does it complicate both subjects by combining them in that way? But at the same time, I just think actually it's important because the one thing we always talk about in well-being is it's individual highly individual. And I don't think we cannot do that without them considering inclusion. Sorry, I feel like that was a mouthful, but that's sort of the view. I think it's so important to acknowledge. And for those organizations, so we see many organizations and global organizations have them split with different KPIs, different departments, reporting into to maybe the same person or different people. What's the risk for those organizations that haven't combined them yet? So combined, I don't think is the, is the requirement. I think combined helps. I think where you run the risk is when they start running in two different areas. And I think the risk is that you run as a silo without considering one over the other, right? Like it's even hard than sometimes when you're in the same team to make sure you're working together. 
But what I would say is when you're separated even more, then you get really focused on the inclusion agenda versus the well-being agenda. And one thing I mentioned, I was just at the water cooler conference a few weeks ago. And in the conversation we were talking about, actually, the other thing we have to consider in the full process is the employee experience. And in the employee experience, you have to think like, okay, so ESG is an important topic. There's messages about ESG. Oh, inclusion is important. Now there's some messages about inclusion. Oh, well-being is important. It's like, you know, there's so much information being thrown at employees that they're almost confused as to what the line the organization is taking and how it all wraps together. And so I think there's merit in when you start to work together and you don't have those silos, you can start to combine those messages and make them a lot clearer for people to understand what the organization is trying to do and what they stand for when it comes to these topics. Again, such an important message within there. Have you got any examples of how you've done that in terms of simplifying that message and really combining them together into something that, yeah, people listening to this can action it going forwards? Yeah, so I think the benefit of the teams coming together is that I really spend time with the team to focus on if something's being done from a well-being perspective or something's being done from an inclusion perspective, I shouldn't be the one as the leader to kind of bring everyone together. I really want my inclusion and well-being experts to be able to work together and be mimicking off each other, which means that anytime they're about to send a message out to the business, they're messaging the other to be like, actually, hey, we're going to do this. Does this correlate to anything? And we've started widening that, right? So like a really good example was on International Women's Day, we kind of set like this summary out of all the things that we're doing, but that didn't just bring in well-being and inclusion. It brought in talent and development. It brought in some of the broader stuff we're doing from an external social perspective linked to ESG. So we are starting to think about those wraparound messages and they're starting to become more of a synonymous story. I think the other way we're starting to look at it, which I think many organizations are starting to do is combining them under the S of the ESG umbrella. So then really trying to bring them under that. So then again, there's just this wider sense of how everything fits together in the broader scheme of things. Then we're really clear on what are we trying to do internally, but equally, what are we trying to do externally and what's that messaging? There's a huge theme appearing here of collaboration. And that's something that we find is often there can be mixed messaging within large organizations where, again, there are many different departments that are responsible for some similar things that overlap. How do you get the stakeholders? And it might be just recruiting the right people that have the shared values of the organization and, and the likes of yourself. How do you get those people singing from the same hymn sheet? Because that's something that is extremely difficult for many people that we talk to. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. And we definitely have not nailed it. And there are definitely areas that we should be more connected to that we're not connected to. And it's hard. Like if I give a view of my experience at Ocado has been that like they started as a startup and then grew into this large company. There are lots of people that have been there since the start and were people that owned really large remits. And then slowly, slowly as the organization's grown and we've gotten experts in different fields, those remits have kind of come down, but like narrowed from a good perspective, right? Because everyone can just like lean into their specialism. My experiences and what I've felt is that it's almost made people feel a bit nervous. Like they still want to own the pieces of the pie that they Mm. were owning. And sometimes then that makes it difficult for people to want to come together. But I've seen such a significant shift in the two plus years I've been there in terms of people coming together, my advice would be you have to just stick to it, right? Like, so Mm. when I joined, I had been with my previous employee for 11 years. That stakeholder piece was like second nature to me. I just knew who to go to for what. And this environment was very new. And even if you've been somewhere for a lot of years and suddenly you have to think about new things, that also is hard because you're not sure what levers to push. And what I would say is just keep at it. Start with like setting up coffees with people, 
telling them more about the things you're doing, helping them see the connections between the things that you're working on, taking the time to understand what they're working on, building those relationships, because those relationships are the thing that then help you build that trust. And that's that collaboration piece then becomes almost synonymous with that. And how, how many employees now do Ricardo have? Talking tens of thousands. Yeah, so they have 20,000 plus, like maybe around 21,000 globally. And in the tech business, which I predominantly look after now, it's just around 6,000 globally. And how many people are in your team at the moment that are working on diversity, inclusion, well-being? One socialist focused on inclusion and one advisor focused on well-being. And we have a very excellent grad at the moment that's rotating between the two as a support. Fantastic. So the question that so many people have in your role, and I get asked this a lot, and I ask the question to a lot of people as well, is how do you go about supporting 20,000 people with this area? It's such an individualized area, nuanced area, as you mentioned. Is it the role of line managers to train them up? So it's almost a sort of train the trainer model. How have you gone about that so far in the last two years? There's multiple matrices to look at, right? So one, from the perspective that I sit, there's like global versus local. And then there's also like individual contributor versus leader, right? So if we look at global versus local, I think there's a sense, and this probably disseminates to the other like individual contributor versus leader, is that actually from a global perspective, all I can really do is set a framework that is relevant across the board, but then I can then easily gift that to the local audiences and tell them to take that and and look at it in the way that best suits their area of the business. They will know uh, who the right people are to engage and who to disseminate that to. It's making sure that we then have local contacts in all the areas. And then from a wider business, so if I look at it from like a subunit or business unit perspective, and then looking at that line between sort of managers and leaders versus individual contributors, there's definitely a sense of the same thing, right? It's that idea of like freedom in a framework. We have one of our core values in tech is aligned autonomy, which I love because it's this whole sense of Actually, we're all aligned, but we're autonomous. It means that I've given you the freedom and flexibility to take what we have, what the messaging is, what like the framework says, what we're trying to do as a business, our overarching things and let you kind of roll that out. And we're just here to give you all the skills and the tools and resources that support that. I think that sort of freedom with an element of accountability is something that's absolutely crucial for the authenticity to come through. It's not just a narrative that is really strict. It's a narrative that's there to support and enable people to flourish. So I always end by saying this podcast is far too short. I've got so many more questions, but I'd really encourage people to follow Artie as well, because there's so much more that you share on your LinkedIn as well. Artie, thank you so much for joining us today on the 12 Minutes Workplace Health podcast and look forward to catching up shortly. Yes, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.